0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 7 of Jordan and Your Summer Sports Spectacular. This episode, we watched the NBA Finals, Game 7, our second time looking at the NBA. This one, a little newer. Is the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs did battle. We'll talk all about the series. We'll talk all about how these teams got there. We'll talk about the All-Stars. We'll talk about everything you want to know about this season, but... If you're new, you might want to know who we are, and I am Jordan Lorenz speaking, and I'm joined alongside the one and only Drew Skyberg. Drew, we're recording this Tuesday night, all-star game coming up. We're going to talk all about it next week on episode 18 or 19. I don't even remember where we're at anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it's episode 19, Jordan, but we're going to talk about this great all-star game that's happening tonight, Wednesday, July 13th, Tuesday, July 13th. I'm dumb. And- ah, there you go. The home run derby was last night, July 12th, and that was great. But we're talking, the, we're talking 2005 basketball today, and we watched a pretty good game. It, it was all right. Um, game yeah. seven of a finals, so it doesn't get any better than that. But besides that right.
0: the score, the score being a little low, I mean, certainly not. I guess that's uh. not what we're accustomed to nowadays. Final score, we will read it once we get there. Also, the Detroit Pistons had themselves an old school logo. I mean, there's just some old stuff here, and. 2005, we were about three, four years old at the time of the game. So let's get right into the season, right? The 2004-2005 NBA season went from November 2nd to April 20th with playoffs concluding on June 6th, obviously, or on June 23rd, I should say, as this went all seven games. So it went all the way until the end of June. Now we're in the middle of July, but this was a totally different season with COVID and then they started in December I mean things are still pushed back but we'll get back to normal eventually back in the day there were 82 games 30 teams and the NBA made its return to Charlotte as the Charlotte Bobcats became the league's 30th franchise at the time obviously we know they're not the Charlotte Bobcats anymore they are now the new or they went to New Orleans where they were the Hornets and then now they're the Pelicans Blah 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 a lot of stuff though back then the Bobcats making their debut, and Michael Jordan, he had a say with them, right, didn't
1: he? Yeah, he he was the owner of that. He was kind of what brought that team to Charlotte, basically.
0: That's good. I mean, hey, we like 30 teams, nice even round number. NHL is finally getting back to it. After they had Vegas, they were at an odd, and now we got the Kraken who are going to make it even, so that is that. It also says this season was the first year of the NBA's new divisional alignment, separating the league into six divisions of five teams. So that is very interesting. We will talk about the standings as we get there. Moving down, prior to the start of the season, Shaquille O'Neal was traded to the Miami Heat. So that's pretty big going into the season. He made the All-NBA first team, I believe. So we'll take a look at that. And the next one's huge. During the offseason, the Phoenix Suns signed unrestricted free agent Steve Nash. Steve Nash, the MVP of this season we'll talk about it when we get to awards but that is huge they sign him ends up winning the mvp on real the grizzlies played their first game at the fedex forum the bulls made their first appearance in the playoffs since 1998 so a seven-year drought for them the wizards made their first appearance in the playoffs since the team changed names in 97 98 season so long things here but then timberwolves did not make an appearance in the playoffs starting a 13-year playoff drought. So that's pretty big. You got two teams who are making the playoffs and then you got one team who really really suffered. I mean, those Timberwolves drew for a long long time. They didn't have anyone good.
1: Yeah, it's been a t- tough time for them. I mean, since Kevin Garnett basically is really when the, when they were relevant. So looking back here now even too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh, real quick, it made me think of Kevin Love. Team USA dropping these exhibition games? What is going on?
1: It's just a disaster right now for Team USA. They can't close out games. They can't play good defense. And Coach Popovich, who we also saw at this game, has some tough work. Yes. Yeah, he's got his – I think they have five exhibitions, right? Something like that, yeah.
0: I think I saw five. Maybe it's four. I don't know. Five seemed like a lot, but they got to work – They got to get these kinks worked out. I mean, this is terrible. First, you see them losing once. You're like, okay, whatever. It's the first game. But then to lose twice, that is not good at all. So let's look at the standings here. Conference standings. We know there's the Eastern and the Western. The Celtics sat atop the Atlantic by two games over the 76ers. Pistons, seven games ahead of the Bulls. So not really too close in the Central Division. Our Milwaukee Bucks, 30-52. and on the year. So just one of those terrible seasons. They were 24 games behind. Oh, listen to this, Drew. On the road, they were 7 and 34. Yikes, that is not good. Not good at all for the Bucks. 7 and 34 on the road. Yikes. So, Southeast Division, 59 and 23. Heat were 14 games Ahead of the Wizards. And listen to this the Atlanta Hawks, 13 and 69 on the year. How much worse can it get?
1: That's like the 76ers from a few years ago, Jordan, where they had that long losing streak. That reminds me of this team.
0: Yeah, that 46 games back from the Heat. That is just crazy. So then you got the Western Conference, the Supersonics on top 52 and 30 was their record. Now gets three games behind. How long were the Supersonics around? I feel like it's not too long yet after this.
1: Yeah, till 2007 is when they then went to, like 2007, I think, or 2008 was when they went to Oklahoma City.
0: So basically two, three years after this. So at least they're sitting up top pretty for their Phoenix Suns leading the Pacific Division by 12 games. And then the Southwest Division, the Spurs, just one game ahead of the Mavericks. So that is very, very close. To wrap things up, Suns had the best record in the Western Conference. Heat had the best record in the Eastern Conference, and we know neither of those teams made it to the NBA Finals. But first, before we get there, the All-Star Game. Drew, tell us all about it. This was the All-Star Game on February twentieth, two 2005. East and West, who
1: we got in it? So I'm going to read some of the names, like I always do. We got the starters for the Western Conference. Tracy McGrady, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, and Yao Ming. What a legend. quite the group. They got a lot of height on that team. When you have Kevin Garnett as your second forward, that is kind of crazy, Jordan. Oh, yeah. Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, Yao Ming. Unreal. And I find it
0: interesting because this one shows how many votes they got. And Yao Ming blew everyone out of the water for the Western Conference when it comes to the starters.
1: Yeah, he was for sure a fan favorite, Jordan. And then some of the reserves, Ray Allen of the Supersonics, Manu Ginobili, who we saw in this game, and, like, Steve Nash didn't even start, and he, he actually won some awards this year. And then uh, Sean Marion, Dirk Nowitzki, and Amari Stoudemire. So a lot of sons there. And then the, for the Eastern Conference All-Stars, their starters, Allen Iverson, Vince Carter, LeBron James' first All-Star game, Grant Hill, and at center, Shaquille O'Neal. So that's quite the group there. And then we got for the reserves, Ben Wallace of the Detroit Pistons, who we see this game. And then we got Gilbert Arenas, Dwayne Wade's first All-Star game, Paul Pierce. And yeah, that was quite the group, Jordan, wasn't it?
0: Oh yeah, Shaq blew everyone out of the water with votes for the Eastern Conference, his 12th appearance, but how crazy is it? Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, their first all-star appearances happened in the same year. Find that ironic with the whole heat, how they ended up on the same team, but the East ended up winning 125-115 all-star game MVP. Allen Iverson gets the job done, so it's not even any of the big boys. Iverson wins the MVP, and now let's move to the playoffs. We're going to discuss how we get to the finals, and then we'll talk about some season awards And then we'll talk about this final. So Miami Heat sweep New Jersey, and then they sweep Washington. So Miami had a very easy path into the conference finals, but then they hit a wall. Detroit, four games to one over Philadelphia, four games to two over Indiana, and then the Pistons in seven games send the Miami Heat packing big. I would say an upset there, but we know the Pistons just won the finals the year before. They were going to look looking to go back to back Phoenix. Sort of the same thing right away. Easy first game sweeping Memphis four games to nothing. Then they go six games with Dallas before they meet the Spurs in the conference finals. The Spurs had to beat Denver, which they did four to one. Then they beat the supersonics four to two, which again, kind of an upset. We know the supersonics were really good. Then the Spurs four to one, they absolutely killed Phoenix and Drew read those All-Stars. Phoenix had a lot of good players, but Spurs get right through them, and we have made our way to the NBA Finals. Speaking of Phoenix, Drew, we know Steve Nash won the MVP. Who else we got for some of these awards? I mean, one of the big ones that stands out is the Sportsmanship Award.
1: Yeah, they had a Sportsmanship Award this year, Jordan, but we're going to start with some of the bigger awards. We had for defensive player of the year Ben Wallace of the Detroit Pistons, and boy, oh, boy, John, he played some great defense in this fine in this finals game. We watched.
0: Yes, absolutely, got it in my notes. It's the one thing that stood out all game long. Absolutely deserved it. I mean, you watching him in the finals, you would have thought for sure he had to be a lock to win that award, and he did, oh. rightfully so.
1: Of course, and then sixth man of the year, Ben Gordon of the Chicago Bulls. Most improved player, Bobby Simmons of the Los Angeles Clippers. Coach of the year, Mike D'Antoni of the Phoenix Suns. Sportsmanship award, given to the player who exhibits the great quality of sportsmanship, goes to Grant Hill of the Orlando Magic. So congratulations, Grant Hill. We hear you on TNT all the time. And he won the sportsmanship award.
0: What an honorable award to win. Drew Holiday won it this year? I didn't even know that. Yep. I and, didn't even know it was still a thing, honestly. Oh, yeah, it's,
1: it's an actual or, Jordan.
0: It sounds like a joke.
1: Nope. But I want to read some things that – I'm going to read some all-NBA teams quickly, Jordan, and I'm going to read some of the names that stand out to me for some of the guys we saw in, the, in Game 7. So, like, all-NBA first team, Tim Duncan of the Spurs was a choice, and Steve Nash, of course, the MVP, got it, Shaquille O'Neal, first team, and then guys on the, the all-NBA defensive first team. I want to read as well because, boy, this Detroit Pistons team plays some great defense, and that shows, and it, the Spurs do as well. So, for the all-NBA defensive first team, um, Kevin Garnett of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Tim Duncan of the Spurs, Ben Wallace of the Detroit Pistons, Bruce Bowen of the Spurs, and then Larry Hughes of the Wizards. And then the NBA all-defensive second team, Tayshaun Prince of the Pistons, Andre Kirilenko of the Jazz, Marcus Camby of the Nuggets, Jason Kidd of the New Jersey Nets, Dwayne Wade of the Miami Heat, and then Chauncey Billups of the Detroit Pistons. So this just shows how great these two teams were defensively. When they have all these guys recognized for the All defensive first team and second team, that's kind of crazy to me.
0: And I think it shows because all NBA first team, Spurs have a guy, right? Spurs don't have anyone else. Pistons, they've got someone on the all NBA third team, that being Ben Wallace. But that's it. So these two teams who made the finals have a combined two players in the all NBA first, second and third teams, but defensively they dominate. Spurs have two guys. Like you said, in the first team, Pistons have one, then the Pistons have two guys in the all NBA defensive second team. So Pistons have three of the top. What is that? 10, 12 guys for defense. I mean, that is absolutely crazy. And it showed in game seven. Are you ready to get to these finals?
1: Let's get to the finals, Jordan. So,
0: It all starts, right? Game one, how did these two teams fare right out of the gate? Well, let me tell you, none of these games were close, and they mentioned it on commentary. They had a blowout, a blowout, a blowout, a blowout, then a classic, they said, then a really good game, and then the finals. So game one, Spurs, 84-69, get the job done, and I think that score is telling of what we got in game seven. Very low scoring. Imagine putting up only 69 points. In the NBA finals game 2 97, 76 Spurs get the job done. I feel like at this point, people are starting to think Spurs and four. I mean, they're going to sweep no problem, but the Pistons win 96 to 79. And so this is one of those things home court plays a huge advantage. And drew, did you catch the stat at the start of the game? I'm going to read it to you. No home team in NHL. MLB, or NBA, has lost a Game 7 since 1979.
1: I did not catch that, Jordan. That is crazy to me. Wow.
0: That is insane. Home teams definitely have the advantage, and obviously things have changed since then, but they went 30-year period about where NHL, MLB, NBA, no home team lost Game 7. Did that hold up in Game 7? We'll see, but... We got there. game four, 102-71 win for the Pistons. So like we said, none of these games even close until we get to game five, an overtime classic. I wish we watched this game instead. Spurs beat the Pistons 96-95. So you're getting your score back. You're getting a little more high scoring. You're getting things going. Spurs get the win up in the series, but the Pistons win ninety. 586. They get the job done. Notice game five and game six, the away team won. So games one, two, three, and four, home team won. Games five and six, the away team won. So could the Pistons get the job done? Game seven. Let's get right to it. But first, I just wanted to say leading scores Chauncey Billups game one had 25 points, Mono Ginobili had 26. Listen to this one for the Pistons. Antonio McDice had 15 points and that led the team in game two. Mono Ginobili had 27 for the Spurs. Tony Parker had himself a big game three, 21 points, 24 for Richard Hamilton. Game four, leading Spur, Tim Duncan with 16. Spurs only put up 71 points in that game four. Chauncey Billups and Hunter both had 17 for this Pistons team. Chauncey Billups had a 34 points in Game 5. Tim Duncan had 26. Richard Hamilton led the way for the Pistons Game 6 with 23. And then Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, each had 21 points. So, Drew, what are we thinking about these rosters before we get into the game? I mean, we know a lot of the main guys, but scoring-wise, Pistons kind of in trouble. Spurs, they've got themselves a big three of sorts.
1: Yeah, this for the Pistons, we see a really balanced offense. Like, they're going to score... They they got some guys on the bench who really can carry some load. Lindsey Hunt and Lindsey Hunter, Antonio McDice, they really they really can carry some role. And we saw Ben Wallace offensively in Game Seven. He had a showing for a guy who's not known for his offense, which was great to see. Tayshawn Prince, Richard Hamilton, Chauncey Billups, like they're they're a very balanced team there. Rasheed, Rasheed Wallace had a really really great game, and yeah, that's that's kind of Pistons offense for for it.
0: Yeah, that's all it is. And in Game Seven there. Five players they had scored 10 or more. So that's pretty big, especially when it is the low-scoring game like it was. So talking about it, Drew, 2005 NBA Finals, you turn the game on. Al Michaels is the announcer. And this, I would have to say, is our most complete presentation. I mean, they even air a few commercials in here. You get a pregame. You get a halftime. You get some looks inside after timeouts. What are your thoughts when you turn it on?
1: When I turn it on, Jordan, I'm like, Al Michaels, is this a football game? (laughs) But, that's what I said to you. You said Al Michaels, and I'm like the football guy. Yeah, and I I thought Al Michaels. I thought he, he does a really good job for a basketball for basketball play by play. I enjoyed it. Um, I think Hubie Brown, the color commentary man. I think he he talks a lot for being a color commentary dude. And I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it just he had a lot to say during the game. I mean, if you got, I mean, it was low scoring, so you
0: got a lot of downtime in between missed shots and stuff. He's certainly one of the greats, I'd have to say, but yeah, he, he did talk a lot now that you say it, but it's not like he was that other color guy we had who was terrible. So I'd much rather listen to this and first yeah. quarter right out of the gate. First thing I mentioned, how did they miss that travel? I mean, Hubie yeah. Brown was all over
1: this. For Joey Crawford's um, ref our officiating crew, this was a game where They called almost everything, Jordan. And Mm -hmm. for them not to call this was kind of ironic to me because they were calling everything left and right. Anything in the post, they'd call. Very A very ticky-tacky foul game for these officials.
0: Which we saw Georgetown-Houston as well. Same exact thing with these refs. I feel like they didn't really pick it up until second quarter. And that's like when they started calling everything for sure. Maybe even in the second half. But kind of let them play a little bit in the first. And there wasn't much going on. Five minutes in, the Spurs... They couldn't make anything close. I mean, we're talking little five, seven foot jumpers in front of the lane. Can't do it. Pistons are up twelve to six. And Drew Tim
1: Duncan, he's not a factor at all. He's actually looking quite terrible. Yeah, he he looked terrible in that first half, Jordan. There's one point he missed seven, eight shots in a row. He's he was very inconsistent. Tony Parker struggled, and then Coach Popovich actually benched him for a little bit. And we saw we saw after commercial he was talking. They were talking and um. Because Parker's was really young at this time, and you could tell he, he didn't have the experience, and that just showed this No, game.
0: absolutely not. And they even talked about it. They pulled out Parker for 15 seconds at one point, and they pulled him out. Coach talked to him and sent him right back in. So that really shows he's not quite that leader yet, and Coach has got to coach him up. And you said how they did end up pulling Duncan. Spurs had 10 bench points in the first quarter. First quarter, 18-16 spurs lead there were a lot of blocked shots and a lot of missed layups i mean everyone was cold to start
1: yeah it was really cold showing for both both teams offenses uh dunk it, well i just want to say Duncan for the whole game finished 10 for 27 he took 27 shots so that was that was a disaster for that but he heats up later and then like lindsey hunter struggled throughout the game and then like richard hamilton also did with six for 18 shooting
0: Yeah, it was not a good shooting night at all. And I want to ask, what are your thoughts on the Wired? So we know how it happens nowadays. You know, they get us inside the huddle for a timeout. This time must have been new Wired because did you see the giant microphone they were holding over the teams during the timeout? That's so obnoxious.
1: Yeah, they were really trying to get the the audience at home, like more involved to see what's going on. And just another thing, we're talking about technology and stuff. No replay, Jordan. In 2005, there's still no replay and they couldn't use replay for like the, some calls throughout the game.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Especially down the stretch. I mean, using them, it's not like there was one big thing they missed or anything, but still it's just crazy seeing how much the game is transformed and improved, I guess, but the length of the games haven't improved. I mean, some games final two minutes take 25 minutes because of everything, but end of the first quarter, as I said, Spurs lead 18 to 16. Ben Wallace is really showing on defense. Right out of the gate, Ginobili and Chauncey Billups both have two fouls, so that's something to note. In the second quarter, I really didn't have much to say about this at all. They're tied at 25 a little bit halfway through,
1: and that's it. It was a pretty non-eventful second quarter. It, it really wasn't. Jordan Duncan still had didn't have it going, but one guy who did really have it going was Antonio McDice off the bench for the for the Pistons. He, I mean, he ended up getting a. A little screwed over by some of the officiating because he he had four fouls. He had to sit some time, and they they could have really used him in the game. Absolutely. And it's
0: in the third quarter. It's in my notes how Wallace and McDice both have four fouls, which is huge. Good to note. Here's our stat of the week. The Pistons lead 39-38 at the half. That is the all-time low in points scored in the first half for a game of this magnitude. I mean, it's crazy. So low scoring that you'll see is a first quarter score now in some games, but that's where we're at heading in to the third quarter. And basically, instantly when the quarter starts, Wallace gets his fourth foul. And this is a no-go for the Pistons.
1: It really is, is a bad situation for the Pistons, Jordan, because now with Wallace out, and then McDice gets his fourth, and then what happens is Tayshawn Prince is the guy who is on Tim Duncan. And when this happens, Jordan, this I think this is the biggest turning point in this game. Absolutely.
0: Tim Duncan now finally I don't know if he got his confidence or something with the mismatch, but he finally started to get going. Spurs eventually picked things up. Detroit, 4 minutes into this third quarter, led 46 to 39. Their biggest lead of the game. Spurs haven't had a single fast break point, which is huge. I mean, if you can get Tony Parker running down the court, if you can get a quick Ginobili three out of it, if you can get an oop to Duncan, Spurs haven't done any of that. But Duncan makes his first bucket in 14 minutes, and the Spurs get all the momentum. They're down to six minutes to go. That's when McDyess gets his fourth foul of the game. I even put in the notes, refs are calling far too many fouls. And then Tim Duncan ties this game 53-53 with three minutes to go, and the quarter ends. 57-57. So, I mean, what are you thinking heading into this fourth quarter? It's just a matter of the Pistons staying out of foul trouble, and I'd have to imagine Tim Duncan, if he stays hot or not.
1: Yeah, I think for the Spurs, I, they kept feeding the ball to Duncan, and he would make some great kickout passes or t- or get some good layups, or he did his famous bank shots we saw. And then for the for the Pistons, I'm thinking we got to get Rashid Wallace back in no matter what, Tayshaun Prince, get those guys going, because they were big in the. The, in the seven-game series, and we need those two guys putting up some shots because the Ben Wallace dunks aren't going to work. He needs to be set up for those, and then Richard Hamilton really didn't have a good shooting performance, so they, they need the two other guys get going as long as McDice or with McDice as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's crazy. Hamilton, we talked about, he was 6 of 18, didn't really shoot too well. He led the team in points, finished with 15. That was the leading scorer for the Pistons, so I think that really goes to show – when Chauncey Billups has 13, Wallace has 12. I mean, it's just not a good thing at all for this team. And the fourth quarter starts, I'm looking, there's over an hour left in this game. And I was like, whoa, like what is going on here? It's reminiscent of the Rose Bowl when there was like an hour (laughs) left when we did episode one. There was like an hour left heading into the fourth quarter. I'm like, this thing's going overtime for sure. It's a tie game, eight minutes to go. Spurs end up taking the lead they're up five with eight minutes to go six minutes to go they're up six but I think the big thing here the Spurs are on a 28 to 13 run and I mean we've talked about it time and time again but this is credit Pistons being in foul trouble and Duncan getting hot isn't it I mean I don't know what else there is to say Pistons weren't making their shots
1: that's exactly what happened, Jordan, because when Tim Duncan, he was hot in the post, and they started throwing more guys at him, and you know what he would do? He passed it out to Bruce Bowen on the wing for a three, passed it out to Mano Ginobili on the wing for a three, and that, that was at six points right there. And then there's times he just himself it himself, he did a little baby hook, got an n one on that. That's nine points right there.
0: I mean, it was too easy at this point. Easy pickings down the stretch. In the first eight minutes of the quarter, Wallace was the only Piston to score. We talked about how they're a balanced team. Certainly not in this last quarter. That can't happen in game seven. Spurs up 72-65, three minutes to go. The Pistons did not commit a foul until two nineteen remaining. So we've mentioned ticky-tacky calls, calling everything left and right. Pistons played a very clean fourth quarter, but then obviously they had to start following. Two minutes to go, they're down six. Minute 20 to go, they're down four. But Wallace has five Fouls. we got a minute two to go Spurs only get one of the free throws they're up five Chauncey Billups goes down and his shot is blocked and I think at this point I realized game's basically over
1: yeah for me Jordan I think that was that was what sealed the deal coach Larry Brown I thought I thought he did a a pretty good job coaching this game it's just he got he got thrown into a tough situation with with players like foul wise Ben Wallace finishing with five Rasheed Wallace with five Billups with four at with four. It's just, it was a bummer for the Pistons. It really was.
0: It was. And at the end of the day, there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Spurs up 75, 68. Then it's 75, 71. So Pistons hit a three. They're down four points with 23 seconds. Foul right away. It's 77, 71. Pistons use their final timeout of the game and then turn the ball over. They're down six, 20 seconds to go. This is a costly, costly turnover, and that was basically all she wrote. They couldn't get back into things. The final, 81-74, the San Antonio Spurs have won the NBA Finals, stopping the Pistons from going back-to-back. We mentioned the Pistons and their points. As for the Spurs, 25 on the night for Tim Duncan, and it's the old saying, it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish, and Tim Duncan – Put the team on his back. Manu Ginobili had 23 points. Robert Horry, 15 points. He was a plus 17 on the court in the game. So can you explain the plus minus stat a little bit if people aren't familiar? Yeah,
1: so what plus minus is basically, Jordan, is when a player's on the court, it's kind of like how how much the team, like it's the net rating of how much your team scores versus how much your team gives up. For example, like if your team... Like if they give up six points when you're in, it's a minus six basically. And then the next time you're in plus they you score, like they score, go up 10 points and then it, it, you subtract it and you get like a plus four. So it's basically just it's how like
0: war basically for baseball.
1: Kind of. Yeah. In, so, no way. in a way, that's an easy
0: way to explain it, I guess. But yeah.
1: yeah, I just want to give that example. And yeah, Jordan talk about Robert or he, he makes some big shots. He's always been a big game player. He's got like seven rings he made some, he played in the last game, seven and 94 with the Rockets. So that was a fun fact. And yeah, he just, he just makes big shots. And he also makes smart shots. He was only four of seven from the
0: field and then two of four from threes. So he's not throwing all these things up like 27 shots, like Tim Duncan, he picks his shots very, very well. Five of six from the line. I mean, Spurs, you want to talk about free throw shooting. Duncan was five of six, Ginobili five of five and a, Corey five of six as well. So shooting very, very well. Only other player to shoot a free throw, Tony Parker, who is one of two and you can't really ask much more than that. And that's our game. 81, 74 win for the Spurs. I did see something as well. This was the first time they put the Larry O'Brien trophy on the court. You could see it behind the Spurs logo. I thought it looked nice. It was beautiful touch and that's it for the
1: game. Anything else to say about it? Yeah, I think, For the Spurs, free throw shooting won them the game, shooting that at the end, and then I think just overall being able to draw fouls throughout the game, I think in the long run, that that won them this championship.
0: I definitely think there were a lot of factors, as we said. If these, I mean, think of how different this game could have been if these refs weren't as ticky-tacky and some Pistons weren't in foul trouble. You never know how things would have turned out, but that does it for this game. Game seven, real quick, stat leaders, for the season Allen Iverson 30.7 points a game. KG averaged 13.5 boards a game, and then 11 and a half assists per game for Steve Nash. So, all around, pretty, pretty good stuff. Fred Holberg or Hoiberg, whatever, however you pronounce it, from the Timberwolves shot 48.3% from three points. So, that's a crazy, crazy stat. I don't know how many he took, but certainly a good way to go out. For the year and that's it next week we will be watching super bowl three so we're
1: going back in time even more do you have any clue what we're getting there no oh boy jordan i know i know it's in color i'm pretty sure it's in color for us which is all that matters i know we're not going to get a scoreboard i can already expect that oh yeah
0: absolutely not i'm pretty positive it is in color but I don't know. I, I really enjoy watching old football games, even though I don't know anything that's going on or any of the players. Super Bowl three, we didn't change it. We kept it. So that is what's to come next week. Drew shout yourself
1: out for all the beautiful people. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Drew Skyberg, D R E W S K Y B E R G. And per usual, we
0: hold all the cl- or all the plugs until the very end. Jordan drew the sports crew on YouTube. Jordan drew underscore sports crew on Instagram, Jordan and Drew, the sports crew on Facebook, like, and follow us on there. We would appreciate both of those. And otherwise Jordan law underscore PXP on Twitter. And that's basically everything. Thank you all for listening to episode seven of Jordan and Drew summer sports spectacular, the perfect podcast for you.